You're listening to Ask the Expert on Sprott Money News. Well, hello again from Sprott Money News and SprottMoney.com. It is March 2020 and it's time for your Ask the Expert segment. I'm your host, Craig Hemke, and joining us this month is Rick Rule of Sprott, Inc. Many of you are familiar with Rick. You know he's a uh, legend in the precious metal sector. And the information that he has, the wisdom he has gained over the years is invaluable. So, Rick, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Certainly a pleasure to be back with you and to address your audience. Thanks for having me on. Does it, when I call you a legend, is that okay? Usually only old people are legends and you don't qualify as old yet, so. You're very kind. I'm not so sure I feel legendary, but I definitely feel old. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And hey, before we get started, it is March 2020. And this is a month like no other, and nothing we've any of us have seen before. Uh, and at this point, when will things start to clear with the, the COVID-19? Very hard to say. So please, just everyone out there, please be safe. Take care of yourself. It's also a very busy time for us at Sprott Money. So thank you for choosing us for your gold and silver bullion and storage needs. We truly appreciate your business. And we look forward to serving you in the future. All right, Rick, I've got seven questions that have been submitted over the past couple of weeks for you. If you're ready, can I hit you with the first one? Absolutely. Let's go. All right. As you know, as I know, as just about everybody else knows that's listening to us, mining shares have had a pretty tough couple of weeks. For those who have not sold, who are long-term investors or speculators, this this first question, just want to know if there's any hope. Well, there's certainly no one-size-fits-all advice. And the answer to that question is sort of nuanced. For people who have the psychological and financial reserves uh, to use this crisis as an opportunity, uh, and for those of you who are willing to do the work to understand each individual gold stock rather than the market as a whole, this is, from my point of view, an opportunity rather than a crisis. For those people who do not have the financial or the psychological reserves to stay the storm, Uh, then, of course, uh, cash or cash and bullion are your best possible options. I've said for many, many, many years that bear markets are sales. Uh, This is uh, an extraordinary bear market. And by the way, the performance of the gold shares mirrors the performance of the gold shares in 2008. In panics, liquidity panics, everything gets sold. Gold stocks are stocks. What happens is that the policy response to the crisis should be good for gold, and in turn, ultimately good for some gold stocks. I guess that leads us to question number two, uh, and that's a pretty good segue, actually, in that I know I've held on. This kind of caught me by surprise, probably caught a lot of folks listening by surprise. And the temptation is to always to move to cash in crises like this, but then, you know, greed kicks in too because things bounce back so quickly. So, The second question is just simply, what indicators will you be watching for a signal that the shares are turning a corner? My friend uh, Steve Sugarud says that you make money in crisis by buying sectors that are uh, cheap, check for gold shares, unloved, check for gold shares, but in an uptrend. Right now, we're in a circumstance where the market is extraordinarily volatile. So I would say that people who are looking to pay attention to the last advice, uh, that is, in an uptrend, uh, 
probably pay attention to the uh, XAU uh, and look for a sort of a consistent pattern of higher highs and higher lows. The truth is I'm old-fashioned. I don't regard the market as a product or a source of information. I regard it as a facility to buy and sell fractional ownership in businesses. So my own point of view is very different than the point of view of the person that asked that question. I believe that money is made on the delta between what something is worth and what it's selling for. So I've been nibbling in this market already. Yeah. And I think, and, uh, but the other part of it, just kind of watch maybe some of the bigger indices or ETFs and, and see if they're trending. Uh, that's what people who invest in that measure, I'm not one, yeah. would advise. Okay. Well, let's let's kind of segue that into question number three, because obviously we focus on precious metals a lot, and uh, and you do as well. But it's not just about the precious metals. I know your your experience and wisdom extends across the entire market. And so, question three is just regarding the entire, the overall market. Once this virus crisis passes, and it will at some point, which sectors of the overall market? Do you expect to provide the best value for people that then uh, get back in? Um, I think that the impact of the virus on the economy and the market will be fairly long lasting. People like to describe market rebounds in the context of V's or U's. My suspicion is that we have a V followed by a U. I'm not an economist, but the truth is that we've gone for uh, 10 years in this latest economic recovery, and much of the recovery has been fueled by low interest rates. My nervousness is that the economy is in no condition to weather this downturn, and we finally will likely receive the reckoning that we have deserved for some time, that is to say a recession and probably prolonged economic contraction. In that circumstance, the general commodity producers, which I'm familiar with, will stay lower for longer. But when they come back, uh, it could be two years from now, it could be three years from now, the response will be dramatic. Uh, the most oversold sector, which will continue to be oversold, in my opinion, is the oil and gas sector. Hit in Canada by idiotic government legislation, uh, by extraordinarily low oil and gas prices, and in the junior part of the sector, by incre increasing constraints to credit. Uh, in addition, of course, there's the broad perception that we're going immediately into an electric economy. And of course, Greta doesn't like oil. <laughs> if your listeners care if they believe that five years from now or six years from now in the morning when they walk from their bedroom to the garage, turn the key to the right. If they believe that the car will start, uh, they believe that oil prices will go to 50 U.S. dollars or 60 U.S. dollars because at this oil price, the oil industry shuts down and there will be no more gasoline. Tesla owners, of course, all seven of them exempted from that comment. <laughs> I'm sorry. I still, I, just, I, I thought the Tesla comment was funny. Um, all right. Let's go to question uh, number four then, because this follows up on what you just discussed, Rick. Um, you know, the fiat currency regimes all seem to blow up in the end. The history is replete with examples. 
the question specifically is, could a global economic collapse result in a return to some type of sound money? Uh, I think a localized return to sound money. Uh, I think there are political jurisdictions in the world, albeit small, that are showing signs of sanity. Uh, Liechtenstein would be an example. Uh, People tend to do the right thing when they have exhausted all other alternatives. Right now, people want to have faith in their governments. I believe that's misplaced, but I've had numerous people tell me that the big thinkers in the world, stick-handled in Canadian parlance, uh, are way out of the 2008 financial crisis, and they're reasonably confident that the increase in liquidity, albeit false liquidity, provided by governments, will see us through this crisis too. Uh, The truth is, uh, as was once said about the United States, and I think is true about the Western world, including Canada, there is a lot of ruin left in societies that are as great as we are. And despite our collective stupidity, our individual initiative and creativity allows us to generate so much wealth that we can often ride out the damage that we do to ourselves at the ballot box. If you would examine for uh, a second the phenomenon called Silicon Valley, where five or six kids commandeer a garage with no money, and out pops Google, you have reason to be optimistic in the longer term. That doesn't mean that the way that we vote won't inflict significant pain on us in the near term. Can you go back for a second? You mentioned Liechtenstein. What uh, what are they doing there? Well, the, they seem to be uh, interested in experimenting with, uh, you know, uh, either a gold-backed currency or a, a competitive currency environment hmm. where various currencies are allowed to compete against each other. Now, granted, this will affect 35,000 people. My suspicion is if the... Um, experiment and some other things that they're thinking about uh, sort of a progress to a libertarian society occurs i suspect that that 35,000 number will grow to 100,000 that doesn't matter much in the context of 7.7 billion people on earth but it says something about the fact that local experiments uh, could prove to greater numbers of people that different forms of regulation and self-regulation are efficacious yeah yeah, that's definitely worth watching. I was thinking to myself, as you mentioned, that they might get 35,001 um, because that <laughs> sure sounds good to me. Okay, uh, the last three questions, Rick, are actually kind of like questions we'd have had in January or February, maybe a little more lighthearted. So let's, uh, let's wrap up with these last three. Uh, for a retail investor, when is the best time to get involved in an exploration company? And I would imagine that has to do with you know, at what point? You know, drill results, uh, you know, ground floor. What do you think? That depends on the nature of the retail investor. We are in a market right now where nobody cares about good news at all. So the best place right now for a retail investor is after the release of a good drill hole. You have the data that tells you something about the value and tells you something about the probable answer to an unanswered question, but nobody cares. You don't have to anticipate data right now. All you have to do is react to data. And you have to be willing to own a stock for six months or nine months or 18 months. 
So right now, in the condition that we're in, when companies release good or great news releases and the stock trades sideways to down, the best time to buy a stock is after the release of great data. This will change when the market returns to favor, and my answer will change too. We have a, a, a program internally, in fact, a product internally at Sprott called Drill Driven Alpha, where a geologist uh, portfolio manager who works for us, Dr. Neil Adshed, does precisely this. And he's encountering absolutely no competition in the markets when good data comes out because people are too afraid to act. Interesting. Uh, all right. The sixth question. This is a fun question, Rick. Um, which investment in your entire career has been the most fulfilling? Maybe not from a monetary standpoint, but just from, you know, just kind of feel good that it worked. Well, certainly the one that was the most educational uh, was simultaneously the most rewarding, and, and that was Paladin Resources. Uh, I became convinced that the uranium price had to go higher in, in 1998 or 1999. By the way, fully four years too early. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I bought a micro, micro, micro cap uh, uranium explorer, Paladin Resources. Uh, I bought it for 10 cents a share. Being early, of course, I was rewarded for my genius uh, by seeing it go from 10 cents to 9 cents to 8 cents to 7 cents to 6 cents <laughs> to a penny. If you're off 90% on a stock, there is no hold decision. There's a buy decision or a sell decision. I revisited all my premises and decided that I was right and began buying again. And within five years, that stock had gone from one cent to 10 cents. So there are many lessons there. Uh, manage your emotions, revisit your premises, but also don't, afraid, don't be afraid to be right. Uh, certainly, I enjoyed the move from one cent or more honestly from 10 cents to $10. By the way, uh, it would be dishonest to leave your listeners with the sense that I bought all the stock at 10 cents and held it all to $10. That didn't happen. I sold along the way. But the lessons learned uh, doing that, backing great people, revisiting your premises, having the courage of your convictions and to study rather than to re react to your own emotions – uh, were all uh, important and illustrative lessons for me. Of course, making an awful lot of money didn't hurt either. Right, right. All right, and finally, we did get some individual names sent in by uh, regular listeners. And so I've got four of them here for you. And i just get your, your quick thoughts. The first one, and actually quite a few people asked about this one, is Bonterra. Uh, disclaimer here. I don't know your listeners, so this shouldn't be considered investment advice. I will talk about these names in the context of my own portfolio and my own preference. I hope everyone understands. I am not a Bonterra shareholder, uh, although I'm attracted to both the management team and the deposit. Uh, my own belief is that because exploration finance is Canada-centric, and because Canadians, like all people, are ethnocentric, that Canadian exploration plays tend to be overvalued relative to or overpriced relative to exploration plays in other parts of the world. And I'm less active in Canada than many Canadians would be. Uh, I also note that I'm having a difficult time in those drill holes together, although other people in the firm who are better at this sort of thing than I uh, understand and like the geology better than I do. 
I think this fits in many exploration portfolios, particularly Canadian exploration portfolios. Uh, I think that flow-through investors should pay real attention to Bonterra, but it's not suitable for me personally. Okay. The second one is Northern Superior. Do you know anything about that company? I would have almost the same comment with Northern Superior. The exploration is uh, a little less advanced than it has been in Bonterra. Uh, a, a good a, a good team of people, a nice piece of real estate, extremely well-supported stock, including by your namesake, Eric Sprott, uh, who is a very smart guy. It's not a stock I own because I see uh, other exploration terrain that it, in the world that to me seems cheaper. The next one is Nova Gold. Nova Gold, you know, you're really betting on a genius uh, there, uh, a first, first, first class guy. It's a real, real optionality play. At today's cost of capital uh, and today's gold price, it's very difficult to understand the valuations. But if you believe in 20, U.S. $2,500 gold, as an example, uh, this is a very, very, very leveraged call option on gold. I'm not playing optionality plays currently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that companies that make money at today's gold prices are compelling enough uh, bargains that I don't need personally to play the optionality game. But if you do, uh, this is a, a company that has an amazing lineup of some of the finest investors I know on the shareholders list. So I wouldn't discourage it for people who believe in sharply higher gold prices in the nearer term. And lastly, Rick, how about Jaguar mining? Jaguar mining appears to me to be problematic uh, in the sense that uh, at present it's a capital consumer. Uh, and I suspect that capital is going to be a more scarce and be more expensive. Again, if the Eric Sprott thesis proves that to be true, that is, if we see $2,500 or $3,000 gold in the near term, Jaguar will make people 10 times their money. It's just that with that potential uh, reward comes a lot of risk, given the operational challenges and the financial challenges that the company faces immediately. Make no mistake, the circumstance that we're in right now means that uh, an industry that already believed itself to be capital-constrained is in the near term going to be substantially more capital constrained. And any company in your portfolio that needs consistent access to capital, particularly credit, is one that you should be concerned about. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Well, before we wrap up, again, it has been a crazy week, crazy month for all sectors, but in particular the precious metals. Again, we want to invite you to visit SprottMoney.com. Check out all the precious metals that we have on offer. Please check out our storage program as well. We offer safe, fully (laughs) insured, and secured places to store your metals. So, of course, visit us at SprottMoney.com or just call us at 888-861-0775 and we'll help find a storage solution for you. Rick, my friend, thank you so much for your time. It's been invaluable information, and I'm sure everyone that has been listening very much appreciates it. Uh, always a pleasure to visit with my Sprott cousins. It's great. Thanks for having me on. And hopefully we'll do this again soon. And from all of us here at SprottMoney.com and Sprott Money News, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next month. <laughs>